I'm your host, Dennis Zerl, and this week we're sponsored by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Teller County, the historic Butte Theater in Cripple Creek, Colorado, bringing you the best productions in the United States, Rocky Mountain Vibes, the Pioneer League's professional baseball team in Colorado Springs, and Animus Wellbeing, your nutritional consultants in Woodland Park, Colorado. Well, I hope you're having another great week wherever you are and wherever you may be. Michelle is still on hiatus this week as she's enjoying some warm weather down there in Louisiana and Florida. And our field producer, Trevor Phipps, is also on hiatus, but uh, both will be back next week, either on the Bear Cave Hotline or in studio. And once again, it'll be time for story time and the big news. But in the meantime, I'll keep things moving and try to keep them interesting and relative as well, which is uh, kind of a big task for me, I guess. But uh, I want to thank all of our listeners that were kind enough to send comments in about our birthday show last week. And surprisingly, we didn't get any hate mail last week. But uh, nonetheless, I want to thank you all once again for listening and sending in your comments. Well, we have a fully loaded show once again this week with our title sponsor, Josh Dorsey from Abode Real Estate, coming on to the Bear Cave Hotline. We have Woodland Park City Mayor Hillary Labar coming into the studio for the Mayor's Corner. And as an added bonus, we have the president of the Fluorescent Fire Protection Board, Starla Thompson, who is also coming into studio. And as most of you may know, that there is a very important election coming up for the good folks out there in Fluorescent. And of course, we always want to make fun of Fluorescent because, you know, the weirdness that often happens out there at times, but uh, damn it, Sheriff, not a lot of craziness happening out there right now, unless you're uh, a member of some of those social media pages, which, uh, yeah, they they permeate throughout Teller County. There's uh, always a concerned citizens of something. There is no shortage of mudsling going on and finger pointing, so whatever. Well, next week we have Wendy Wood coming into the Bear Cave, and she is going to talk about Donkey Derby Day. So that's going to be a great conversation. Always looking forward to having that conversation about the good work that those folks do up there at the Two Mile High Club. The weather's getting better, and I think everyone is coming out of their bear caves and uh, shaking off some of that winter rust. So it's good to see that some of these events are happening. We also have Zach Stanio from the Butte Theater coming on, and he's going to talk about some of the productions that are just about ready to get started for that new season up there at the Butte Theater. Right now, we're still working on the May schedule, but I can tell you that the first week of May, we have Tammy Lowell coming back into the Bear Cave for the Oyate Herbal Health Talk. We missed her this month, but we're looking forward to having her back and uh, talking about some of those things that she does about uh, health and herbs and all that kind of good stuff. Now, Tammy is going to be at the Mind, Body, Spirit celebration in Colorado Springs this weekend, so stop by and say hi to her. Also in May, we have Commissioner Eric Stone, who's coming into the Bear Cave to discuss some issues that are going on in the county, so we look forward to talking with him. 
Well, there are a couple of noteworthy stories this week, and I just want to cover them briefly because we have a lot to get to on the show today. And the first story I want to talk about is about Fox and Dominion Voting Systems, who reached a settlement this week in the voting machine company's defamation lawsuit. They settled, so they averted a trial in the case that exposed how the top-ranked network chased viewers by promoting lies about the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, we're all in tune with what was going on there and the Donald claiming that the elections were stolen. And then... uh, We mentioned a few weeks ago that Rupert Murdoch came out after his deposition and said basically that they had misled the viewing audience. And Rupi came correct by admitting that some of the stories that they put out there weren't exactly true. Well, the New York Times reported that Fox settled for $787,000.5 million. Now, remember, Dominion asked for $1.6 billion in arguing that Fox had damaged its reputation by helping peddle those conspiracy theories about its equipment that wasn't functioning and the elections were stolen. Remember all that? The settlement was announced by the judge in the case who allowed the case to go to trial while emphasizing that it was crystal clear that none of the allegations about Dominion, which aired on Fox, by allies of former President Donald Trump were actually true. And records released as part of the lawsuit showed how Fox hosts and executives, they didn't exactly believe the claims that the Trump allies gave to them, but they aired them anyway. So it just goes to show that uh, Fox, CNN, you know, they're all part of the same ilk. And uh, you just really have to be careful about what you're listening to and what you're seeing on television. Don't believe any of it because it's all coming out of the mouth hole of somebody who's wearing this little earpiece and is reading that teleprompter. So it's not going to be disputed, obviously, because Fox already admitted to it. And so did Rupi. So $750 million plus dollars is uh, just a drop in a bucket. It's not going to put Fox off the air or anything like that. But uh, yeah. Well, we'll just move on to some more craziness. Well, the next little story I want to talk about is about one of our favorite political smack talkers, and that is Cruella Taylor Green. Yep. She just can't seem to stay out of the public eye, and I don't know if it's because she's trying so hard to become the Donald's second, or at the very least trying to lobby for a seat at the table in his cabinet should he get elected, but the comments she made this week, all I can say is, damn. And I'm talking about the comments she made about the U.S. Air Force National Guard genius who leaked those hundreds of documents to the general public through his uh, underground Dungeons and Dragons group or whatever the hell it's called. I have no idea. I think it's called the uh, Discord social media. I think that's what it's called. And that was 21-year-old moron by the name of Jack Teixeira. He's accused of leaking classified information and was arrested by the FBI last week. And one of the most notable subjects he referred to with these released documents was the presence of a small group of Western Special Forces operating inside Ukraine. Now, that alone, in my opinion, deserves a long, long stay in prison. You give up locations and places and things about operators, and I don't give a damn which unit they're from or who they're working for while they're on deployment, you're simply a traitor in my book, and you deserve to spend a few years in the hole. But not Cruella. Cruella is actually defending this jackass, and her comments prompted a reply from Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. And he expressed his displeasure about Cruella's remarks. But what did she say that was so heinous? Well, let me tell you what uh, came out of that pie hole. She said, quote, Jake, she called him Jake, it was actually Jack, I think. Jack Teixeira is white, male, Christian, and anti-war. That makes him an enemy to the Biden regime. And he told the truth about troops being on the ground in Ukraine and a lot more. Ask yourself, who is the real enemy? Are you kidding me right now? 
The real enemy is this a-hole for putting our own countrymen and troops at risk in the first place there, Cruella. And trying to defend him makes you the enemy as well, as far as I'm concerned. And the comment about him being anti-war? Look, if you're in the U.S. military or the armed forces, the whole point of you being in the armed forces is to win wars. It's all about breaking stuff and killing the enemy, Cruella. Haven't you figured that out by now? That's what the armed forces are trained to do. And when you give up those plans, you're a traitor, plain and simple. Get out! What the hell are you thinking, lady? And of course, Sniffy and his minions are trying to downplay the whole leaked document thing, right? Gee, no shock there. I mean, come on, this is some serious business, and for someone in Congress to stand up for this asshat, well, let's just say that it puts you in the same boat as AOC and the rest of the squad. What a stupid thing to say. And of course, she is going after Senator Graham, who just happens to be a veteran himself. And the reason she's going after him is because Senator Graham replied to Cruella was this. You cannot allow a single individual of the military intelligence community to leak classified information because they disagree with policy. What they are suggesting will destroy America's ability to defend itself. That it's okay to release classified information based on your political views. The end does not justify the means and this is not okay. Any member of Congress to suggest it's okay to classified information because you agree with the cause is terribly irresponsible and it puts America in danger, end quote. Now, I happen to agree with everything that Senator Graham said, and maybe it's time for you, Corella, to find your next job, I don't know, at the local gym. Apparently, she spends enough time there anyway. So how does Cruella respond? Like any other teenage child, she posts a doctored photo on social media of Lindsey Graham and the new Bud Light spokeshole, Dylan Mulvaney. Very mature there, Cruella. Great leadership skills you're displaying. And all I can say is that I'm sure we'll be talking about Cruella later on the show. In fact, I guarantee that we'll be talking about her later on in the show. Well, when we come back, we'll be talking to our title sponsor from Abode Real Estate, Josh Dorsey. We'll be right back. You know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Taylor County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. I called Josh right away and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. He'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4773 or email him at joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at csabode.com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied.
back to the Bear Cave. And right now in the Bear Cave Hotline, it's our title sponsor from Abode Real Estate, Josh Dorsey. Josh, how are you? Doing great this morning. How are you, Dennis? Uh, I was talking to Josh earlier and I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm surprised you're not saddle sore right now. You've been driving like the entire length of the continent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between, uh, you know, Texas bass tournaments and like all this stuff, man, I've been putting on the miles for sure. Yeah, you got to throw in a couple of Alaska trips there too, right? Well, that's next. And actually, I think I'm going to have to drive up there. Um, I got to run a vehicle up there sometime this summer. So don't know when yet, but yeah, that's that's in the works as well. That's, that's a good 3,600 miles. <laughs> so that's a, that's a one-way drive though, right? Yeah. No, I mean, if, if you drive a vehicle up, I just, <laughs> I, I leave it there, whatever it is, it's, it's staying there one way or another because I, I can't do a round trip. Yeah, no way. Oh yeah, I forgot about the whole bass thing. You're uh, you found a a new kind of livelihood, I guess, right? Yeah, well, I've been enjoying it. I I go with this club called uh, Pikes Peak Bassmasters, and uh, we just had our state qualifier at uh, Possum Kingdom in Texas. It's a beautiful lake down there, and uh, yeah, I made the state team and gonna do some more fishing this summer. So kind of fun. It's it's definitely a hobby uh, only. <laughs> there's there's no money to be had there. There's a lot of money to spend there, but there's no money to be made. So. Yeah, I think I was talking to you uh, a few years ago. I was filming some professional bass fishing for those sponsored guys. And uh, I think this guy was sponsored by Optima Batteries. So, yeah, it was big bucks. But, yeah, he, he can't really make a living out of it uh, because he had uh, an almond farm somewhere in Oklahoma. But it sure is fun. But uh, that's cool, man. I, I'm glad you're out there uh, slinging some fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure having a lot of fun with it. So, Well, speaking of uh, maybe not so much fun, the uh, the house housing market since the last time we talked. And uh, by the way, that episode that you and Carol did was a, was a huge hit. And I think it really woke some people up as to what the future is starting to look like. But I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, since you were both on, that the housing prices have taken a significant leap towards the ceiling, I guess, towards the sky. I don't even know how to describe it, but there's a, there's been a a huge, huge increase in prices. Yeah. Inventory is low and the prices are are coming back up again. It seems like um, everywhere I look, in fact, you know, some people that I was shopping with at the beginning of the year, we kind of paused our shopping for a little while and we're resuming it now. And we're realizing the homes that we were seeing that were $400,000 are not available anymore. They're not, they're all now four. 30, 435. Some of it's seasonal too, where it's just that, right. you know, springtime, everyone's moving around, but a lot of it has to do with people just used to it at 7% and that's what it is. And in that range and uh, people are like, okay, well, panic's over. Let's on, we go with our lives, you know, and what a lot of people are, are guessing will happen is that we're going to see a drop in the next eight months or so, and it's going to come down a bit too on those rates. That's what some people are predicting. So we'll see what happens with that. But if, you know, if that takes place, um, it'll probably just carry these higher prices through into next year, I would imagine. Well, a lot of it kind of, uh, hangs in, in the balance of what the Congress is going to do, what the Fed is going to do. I mean, just a year ago, we thought, oh, okay, it's going to, you know, the Fed's going to raise the interest rates a little bit. It's not horrible just yet, but we still have this inflation that's not under control. Yeah. I'm hoping they've got that sort of curbed a little bit and that it'll come around to a, a point that they like towards the end of the year where it's like, okay, settling down enough to where we can bring these rates down a little bit. But the thing I don't like about the, the entire scenario, I mean, maybe it's always been this way and I've just never really thought about it this way, but since when do you 
just have to look at your government all the time. <laughs> so what are they going to do and how is it going to affect us? And the economy is like in their hands. And it's just like, man, I wish we were just looking at like normal market indicators of supply and demand and not like, please drop our rates. <laughs> you know? We're in a time period in, in our country where we just don't know what's going to happen because every day there's something else that creeps up. If it's not multiple weather balloons flying over the top of the country, then it's uh, people giving away uh, classified documents. And it's just, man, it's crazy. Yeah, just one thing to the next. Yeah, and uh, you know we're kind of moving into an election year, and you know another free fall is about to ensue because now we got the Donald back in there. There's a good possibility that we have DeSantis coming or running, I should say, and uh, you just don't know what's going to happen. And now the state legislature here in Colorado is toying around with property taxes, and they're trying to make things equitable. And it's just, I think people have forgotten about the real world. I mean, yeah. there's just not one size fits all type of solution, right? Yeah, for sure, and kind of forgot that you're not supposed to work this way where we're just sitting here waiting to see what the government's going to do with, with us next, you know, <laughs> it's supposed it's to work scary. the other way around. How does Colorado kind of compare to the rest of the Western United States? Obviously, California is just run amok. How do we compare to, say, our surrounding areas? Well, I think Texas really saw a big spike, you know, with this housing boom over the last six years or so. And uh, they're like almost like a year behind us where we were reaching our peak of the most people moving in, the prices spiking the quickest. They just were like 12 months behind us on that. I was just down there, like I said, and we got to spend some time with my brother-in-law, who's a realtor in Tyler, Texas. And uh, that place is, is just booming. There's so many people moving in. Of course, they saw some of the same slowdown with uh, with the rates and everything like that. But uh, even so, they've got more people moving there than they have houses for. So I think you, you see the same thing happening to different degrees across the entire Western United States, people moving around. But I think anytime you have just uh, volatile times, like you're saying in the news, there's always something. It makes people restless, I think, and they want to get up and go somewhere. And uh, where they choose depends on their politics a lot of times these days. So I think Colorado is not going to slow down in that regard. I think that we're still going to have a lot of people moving out here because places like Florissant are really attractive to people who are looking for some security, you know, anywhere in Teller County. They're looking for something where they can maybe be a little bit off grid or have a little bit of land or something like that because it makes them feel more secure than being in dense urban areas. I see it just continuing on like that. I think the the other thing, too, is that uh, people are tired of paying these really high state taxes, and uh, it's very attractive to go to a place like Wyoming or Texas or Florida. With our legislature here in Colorado, the focus is now on building apartments and building this affordable housing. And they're, you know, they're going to shove them into any kind of place and nook and cranny that they can possibly find to build these things. You know, you talk about politics and people moving to areas where, uh, you know, it's politically driven. And that's very true because it seems like the liberal left doesn't want you to own a home. They sure don't want you to have a yard because that takes water. Right. And uh, it just seems like they're discouraging more and more single home ownership or single families. And they all want you to move in these kind of tiny boxes and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know, I guess it's the way of the future. I, I hope it isn't, but it seems that's happening more and more. Yeah. It goes back to the one size fits all kind of thing. And it just doesn't really work. No, it, it takes away individual freedom when people are not homeowners. You know, when you when you don't own a home anymore, you only rent, you don't have any space around your house or whatever. I think it's a it's a huge loss of freedom and lifestyle. And, and I really hope that that's not the future, you know, because that's not attractive to me at all. 
And that was one of the things that really concerned me whenever we had these big corporations buying up all these houses during the boom. They were paying over market value so that they could secure all these purchases. For a little while there, it was like 10% of the purchases in El Paso County, talking about last year, 10% of the purchases were corporations buying homes like Open Door or some of the other ones, OfferPad, whatever they were, just buying up all this inventory. It was sort of scary because people couldn't say no to what they were offering back then. But at the same time, it was like, they're eating up all the inventory. You know, what if they just turn around and rent all this? And, you know, they're just decreasing the percentage of homeowners. But fortunately, well, unfortunately for them, but fortunately for us, some of those companies just couldn't swing the downturn that we saw off of December, January and lost billions. And so it's like, well, all right, well, that'll keep them in check at least for a little while before they, they do their next single family home grab. I have a question for you. It's a little, it's not off, off topic, but uh, I, I saw what's happening in California is also happening here in Colorado. And that is, is that new homes being built in, uh, in various regions. The politicians now want to go all green. So they don't even want you to plumb gas into a house anymore. I know there's a few areas that are looking into doing that. Now, I can't see that that's any kind of an advantage unless you're an owner of a utilities company of some kind. I don't get the the reasoning behind it. I mean, the environmental concern of like gas versus electric, it's kind of a coin toss, which is, you know, which is better or worse. Like the gas burns nice and clean. It's it priced efficiently. It's a, better to cook with, you know, if you're talking about your kitchen stove, it's a hundred percent better to cook with. Sure. As far as costs, installing electric versus gas in, in homes, it's like but the cost difference isn't, isn't that much. And when I'm showing homes, I can tell you this, nine times out of 10, people will like mention whether it has a gas stove or not. And if it has a gas stove, they're like, oh, cool, it's got a gas stove. Or if it doesn't, they're like, shoot, how are we going to plumb gas into here so we can have a gas stove? And that's what people want. I don't think that the government should be trying to push it the other direction. It's like, yeah, I agree. Well, any kind of hot properties you got going on this week that you want to talk about? Yeah, I've got one coming up in Florissant that should be hitting the market maybe the last week of this month or the first week of next month. And that's a great property. It's going to be in, in a good price range, low fours, really good area, four acres, just beautiful acres with like big boulders on it. It's awesome. So that one's coming up. And then I do have another one coming up out east of Colorado Springs. It's on eight acres, lots of trees, super nice. So both those ones are coming up here pretty quick. And then I've got one more on Pulpit Rock. You know where Pulpit Rock open space is? I don't. Well, when you're driving by like North Nevada and you see that big rock formation there, that's Pulpit Rock. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So this home's adjacent to that. So the backyard goes right into that open space and it's going to be like in the low fives, which is great for that kind of quality a lot. So definitely some good stuff coming up. Absolutely. And it puts you closer to UC Health Park because uh, baseball's right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Josh. Well, you know, keep up the good work and uh, get out there, slay some fish. Try not to put too many miles on your vehicle. And uh, we're going to talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for coming in. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye. That was our title sponsor from Abode Real Estate, Josh Dorsey. And uh, you know what? It's not all bleak news. There's still plenty of deals out there. Give Josh a call, send him an email, and get into that house that you want. Coming up next, it's the Mayor's Corner with Woodland Park City Mayor, Hillary Labar. So don't go away.
Are you tired of gambling? Or maybe gambling just isn't your thing? Then you need to come visit the historic Butte Theater, located in the heart of Cripple Creek, Colorado. Enjoy our classic melodramas, Shakespeare of the West, musicals, comedies, and our community's favorite Christmas show. The Butte is fun for the whole family. So get your tickets today at thebuttheater.com and come join in our fun. Cave, and once again, it's that time. It's the Mayor's Corner with Woodland Park City Mayor Hillary Labar. Madam Mayor, welcome back into the Bear Cave. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a day or two since we've seen each other. Been a little bit, yeah. How was your winter? For being a native, I definitely prefer being at the beach over being in the snow. Uh, yeah, I wish. We'll have to give Michelle a ration because I, I think she's just getting back off of her hiatus. She's been in Florida and New Orleans and all these other kind of places. And then uh, now Trevor's going to, I think he's going to California next week or the week afterwards. So me, I just hunker down with some firewood and just uh, keep pushing along. Anyway, there's uh, been some interesting things happening with the city and city council. And I'm kind of alluding to uh, David Ott. He just kind of pulled the plug and off to the races he went. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much how it happened. Yeah, I, I talked to him a little bit before and, and yeah, there was kind of inklings that he may do that, but I didn't think that he was going to go in less than a year. No, I think it's unfortunate. So I think you understand the commitment. And I think that if you're going to be an elected official and I just feel like it's a commitment to the community. Yeah. I mean, there's been plenty of times where I could have just been like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm, I quit. I want to move to the beach or something. You know, I'm surprised you haven't. I'm ready to go to Costa Rica, but, uh, but I made a commitment and I honor those commitments. And I understand, you know, things come up, family comes first and you get opportunities. You got to walk through those doors and that's the way it is for people. So. Yeah, I, I get it. But now we're kind of in a position where we, you kind of have to fill that seat, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it makes it really difficult now. It's, I think I'm a little jaded because this is something Kelly and I sat through over and over and over again. And I really, really dislike having a tied vote situation constantly now. I mean, it's not constant, but um, the STR issue, which it's getting real old real quick, but uh, it's divided council now. It's unfortunate that David left because it jams the community up. It doesn't just jam up council. It jams up the entire community now. I really hope that we can get some good applications and get somebody appointed. That business can move forward. Leave your puppies at home. Yeah. If somebody brings a monkey, though, I would I would go for that. Or some parrots or something, maybe. I don't know. There has been puppies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing that that person got right is that you're never going to forget them, you know, because I mean, who shows up with, you know, running for a council seat with puppies? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing because it's, it's nice to be able to, to go in and get business conducted and be able to move the city forward with um, ordinances and 
resolutions and issues because that's what the meetings are for is to get business done. Yeah, I've got to imagine it's a little frustrating too. And and I've kind of seen the council uh, change a little bit. You know, I've seen uh, certain people change their opinions and, and one is uh, Frank Connors. I'll mention his name, you know, because he, uh, he was on the show about three weeks ago and he was uh, he was all about, you know, appointing Don DeZelm and things of that nature. But uh, you guys decided to take a different turn this time because last time, like we said, and, and you're getting a little bit of flag for it because Catherine Nakai was appointed not you per se, but the council was appointed for that position. And, uh, you know, why not do the same thing this time, but instead you're opting to take applications. And uh, why was that decision made? You know, honestly, I think sort of a unique situation. The way the elections were run last time is there were kind of clear lines with opposition. And I think that it would be odd to appoint your opposition personally. That's an honest answer. No, it's very candid. I get it. You know, the one thing I do find really interesting is we got a lot of flack from a certain council member for appointing Catherine. What's interesting is they said that it was done behind closed doors or whatever. I remember that. And what's really weird is here they are pushing for a candidate who got votes. So that's cool. And I have nothing personal against Don DeZellum. I think he's a lovely man. I think that he contributes a lot to the city. He volunteers for many things. I don't have a personal beef with Don DeZellum. I think he's a lovely human being. I think that he serves boards well. I have voted for him to be on boards that other people didn't vote for him with, but he he was my opposition. But what I find interesting is certain council members were pushing to have him appointed. They have put it in the paper. They have had people email us. They have put it on social media. Well, they've said it on the show. And what's weird is that's all we did with Catherine. Why am I not? you know, on some soapbox saying, you're doing this behind closed doors. You know, we talked about Catherine openly. We had the discussion on the dais and then she got the majority vote. And that's how that happens. So they're doing the same thing with another candidate, but they're not doing it wrong, but they're not doing it any different. So, (laughs) So, you know, it's just, I'm, I get real tired of the hypocrisy when it, you know, this division, but it's, they make these divisions personal and yet everyone's doing the same thing. Hypocrisy seems to be the norm these days, not only in politics, but uh, on television, with school boards, with all kinds of stuff. It just seems to be like, that's like a common occurrence anymore. You know, yeah. it's just, it's just really weird. Yeah. I'm, I'm worn out by it. I think everybody is. I don't know because some people really like to perpetuate it. All this negativity and, you know, the, uh, I go back to the whole concern pages again, you know, the, <laughs> which uh, to me, that's, that's all bear pile material. Sure. And uh, what happens is it's, it's done out of fear and ego. So that's really what it boils down to. You have yeah. a fragile ego and you're scared that your position is going to be heard. So you've got to be that much louder than anybody else. And then you call the news media, you call, you know, whoever's going to listen and, and be part of your cause. That's what goes on. I don't pay attention to a lot of stuff that happens in the community that way. Right. Because we get enough drama with council. And frankly, I get sick of the drama with council because I don't get it. It's a business meeting. There are laws that we have to abide by. I don't make the law. I just follow the rules, you know, and we have attorneys who guide us with those constantly. And we have meetings with the attorneys, you know, the attorneys review the agenda, they review anything that comes before us. And if we have questions, we can get legal advice from them. You know, that brings up a good point because uh, during the last city council meeting, which uh, was the cure for insomnia for me, (laughs) because... (laughs) 
<laughs> I finally crashed out when it when it came to the whole five G tower thing. Uh, yeah. Um, I was like, uh, okay, I'm I got to punch out on this one for sure. And uh, I'm just gonna come out and say this: it. like Zula Bob came up with some <laughs> some stories that were just amazing to me, and that's why we came up with the Bear Cave Titanium Underwear, which is wrapped in tinfoil. <laughs> They'll be on for sale here shortly. So. Uh, but I think it was you and Kelly Case were the only two that said, hey, look, you know, we don't need any more reports on this kind of stuff. Let's just move on. Because well, the attorneys had mentioned, I don't know how many times, there's no fight here. It's going to happen. Well, here's the thing. I don't know why. And after having training, even after having definitions, even after having some common sense, council members still don't understand what quasi-judicial means. It means you don't bring anything to the table, only the parties involved. So it's kind of... Well, the parties also had their attorneys there. Yes, they did. Any quasi-judicial hearing, people can bring um, their attorney with them because this is a very, it's a highly legal proceeding right? Um, because it is, it is property rights. And uh, an easy way to kind of describe it is it's like, um, let's take a, take it down a notch to, I don't know how I think taking it down a notch to criminal is. But taking it down to bear cave level. Yeah. So here, <laughs> here's a, a very simple explanation. Quasi-judicial. The counsel is the judge and then we have prosecutor and the defendant, right? But it's kind of like we're missing the prosecutor and we only have the defendant. The defendant's going to come in and plead their case. But the job of the judge is to be impartial and not have any information outside of what the defendant is going to present. Because the judge cannot be impartial if they have done their own research, talked to a bunch of people in the community and formed an opinion ahead of time. We are not supposed to do that with quasi-judicial. We are not supposed to be biased against the defendant. Now, remember this, this, this I'm using a criminal example right? because it's the easiest, I think. So the, the defendant can't get a fair shake if the judge is already completely biased. So in a criminal case, if the judge had gone out and done a bunch of research about who this defendant was and who his family was and what his priors were and say that his priors were when he was a juvenile and say that they were sealed, but the judge still had access to that. So how can the defendant ever expect to get a fair trial if the judge has gone outside and done all of this in independent research. They can't. So if you've gone and done that, or if you've been bombarded by the community with feedback and you've formed an opinion based on that, you need to say that at the dais. You need to say, I've been exposed to XYZ. I have formed my own opinion and I probably should recuse myself from this situation because I cannot be impartial. So that's one of the things. And Robert's information, unfortunately, wasn't impartial to Verizon. And it was something that we are not supposed to do during a quasi-judicial hearing. You are not supposed to bring in your own information that is outside of the agenda that the attorneys have not had access to, that the other party being Verizon had not had access to, because they're supposed to be able to respond to that and, and be prepared to respond to that ahead of time. Well, the bottom line is there's really no argument here. I mean, it's going to happen. Now, nobody likes where the tower is going to go. Right. No, I mean, it sucks that it has to be there. Right. So there's federal law that prohibits us from saying, no, you can't put the tower there. A another side to that, if we had had an ordinance ahead of time saying that there are certain setbacks from children's schools, from the pool, from homes, we'd be allowed to do that. But because we didn't have the, that ordinance ahead of time, we couldn't fight back with any placement. Federal law trumps us in this case because we didn't have 
a stricter rule. That's also how the constitution and the law works is we are allowed to have stricter rules. The state and feds don't trump in certain circumstances. So there are cities that have those setbacks already because they've dealt with this issue a lot. And so they enacted things in order to have setbacks with the cell towers. Right. Unfortunately, we don't have that. That's something we are working on having now because now we know better. And once you know better, you can do better. It's funny the things that you learn as you go through these different uh, circumstances and these different issues, because uh, it actually makes you a lot smarter because you can, uh, I guess what I'm trying to get down to is, is that it could lead you down a lot of rabbit holes. Oh, sure. You, you know, and uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because there may be ordinances that someone hasn't thought about that. Well, will there, make are, the com- there are make, plenty. Yeah, will make the community better. Yeah, there are plenty of things we haven't done that need to get done. And then we get hung up on things like STR instead of getting other business done. Right. Because we can't get past personal opinions to get business done. I guess my point is, is wasting over an hour of time during a city council meeting discussing something that should not have been discussed in the first place. It was just, uh, wow, <laughs> I don't well, know, you know. You know, it's really unfortunate that some council members look at council as this political platform to continuously um, use to... A lot of posturing going on. Yeah, often. And, you know, if an attorney tells you to be quiet, in what other realm do you not just be quiet? At Woodland Park. Right. And it is so <laughs> aggravating, you know, yeah, and it's, sure it it's aggravating because you know, professionally, I'm trying to ask a council member to stop because you're harming the city or putting us in a libel position because you won't stop talking about you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's slipping back into that pattern again. Yes. You know, everything started off pretty cool. You know, the first uh, few months, I'm, every, everybody was kind of getting along or not getting along, but whatever. It was professional. And then things start to backslide a little bit. I don't want to say we're back to where we were a year ago because we're not, we're no. definitely not there. No. But, you know, every now and then, and it's always the same people who are standing on their soapboxes. Yeah. And it happens with certain topics. Like if it's like a a dog with a bone, if you can get into the spotlight over some certain topic, because you think you've found the golden ticket and you just think it's going to boost your, I guess it's going to boost your votes. And that's why you do it. Because the reality is, look, I don't like where the tower is going. I don't think anybody on council thought, oh yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That's why I asked, where else did you look and why didn't it work that way? That's how you legally ask that. I got an idea. Let's make a clock tower out of it. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean. She's not smiling at me on that one. No, I, I don't, I don't like where it's going either, but the, I can't legally do anything about it. Right. And that's what's frustrating. And that's what it's aggravating that you pick something. I don't even know exactly how to. I don't know how to say it. You want to say, well, we're home rule. So we ought to be able to have the say and, and where's our independence in this. And yet, and you want to tell it's not constitutional to be told we can't place this tower where we want. And in the same breath, you're saying to people, you have to give up your property because you shouldn't be allowed to short-term rent it. And it's like, pick a side, dude. You can't have it both ways. You know, you're either totally anti-government regulation fully, or you're going to go with the rules that exist within the law. You've already been told how many times is this is a done deal. Let it go. You know, for me, I don't usually pick council members to just talk about. 
because right. I don't like to do it because he's not here. He can't defend himself. He doesn't get a say in our conversation today. But the thing is, is most aggravating part is, you know, Robert, I agree with you. I don't like the placement of the tower, but I'm not going to waste counsel's time. I'm not going to waste the citizen's time. I'm not going to waste Verizon's time on a soapbox talking about it because I already understand the outcome because the law already tells us the outcome and I'm going to abide by the law. And then the way to fix it is to do an ordinance now that provides for setbacks. Let's focus our time on getting something done that we can actually accomplish something with rather than wasting time and having Verizon ask us. So you guys aren't the appellate body, right? The courts are. And if that's not a signal to you that you are doing something wrong, because I, in the five years I have sat on council, I have never during a quasi-judicial had anyone presenting have to ask us who the appellate body is because they know that they're going to have to appeal the decision if it doesn't go in their favor and they know legally they have the right and they are going to win it. Well, just in case, now's the time to start having kids before you go sterile when this, when this thing happens. So I'm just, I'm just saying. Look, I don't, I'm not the kind of person I, you know, I, I put my cell phone on airplane mode. I don't, I try to talk <laughs> on it on speaker. I try not to have it next to my head all the time. I, right. yeah. I think the science is probably somewhat real. I don't think you can say exactly how the person got cancer, but I don't think these things are healthy for you. I don't want to sit next to one. I don't want to live next to one either. Yeah, probably not. So the thing is, is it's hard because I have a person on council with me who, even though all of us, I'm pretty sure all of us on council are like, yeah, man, none of us want this right next to anybody. I agree with you health wise, but the, the law doesn't allow for it. And so when the attorney kept reading over and over and over that the environmental factor cannot be taken into consideration. And he's like, I'm not talking about trees. That's right. not at all what environmental factor means. It means whatever that thing is radiating or what spewing or dumping, we're not allowed to take it into consideration. Now, is that a crappy thing oh, absolutely. that the government came up with, with the lobbyists of these cell towers and, and lobbyists of nuclear reactors and, you know, toxic dump sites? Hell yes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's obscene. But our hands legally are tied by that. I don't understand where the lack of understanding, that's what is like, that's an ironic thing to say. <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get why it's so difficult to understand that you are not being professional right now. You are jeopardizing us and you need to stop. And when the attorney tells you that and the mayor tells you that and the rest of council is trying to tell you that and you just keep going, I don't know what your end goal is. Well, what I don't get is that other council members voted to uh, table it. I mean, to me, it, it was like, it should have been a five to nothing vote it or five to been. one. And that's why at the end of council, I was saying like, everyone's looking at our attorney to keep giving them advice. And I keep saying, do you need an executive session? Because our attorney cannot give us legal advice on the dais in front of the opposition. That's not how this works. Yeah. Yeah. And do you need that? And everybody just sits there silently. Well, the, the attorney had the emoji with a hand on its face. You know, oh, I know. And just, just going, oh, really? And Are we still talking about this? Right. And so that's why I said, oh, if it's me, this is my understanding because it's quasi-judicial. Do not leave this dais and do your own 
research. Do not read what Robert has provided. Do not look at the information when we leave here. If you do that, when we come back, you need to say it and you can't participate. You know, I can go to any website. I can go to the dark web. I can go anywhere and find information that's either contrary right. or that backs it up. A lot of groups do that. the same thing. I go back to the Concerned Citizens pages all the time. You know, it's, it's, it's all good if we do it. But if you say something is contrary to our belief or our narrative, then everybody's wrong. It's not just the well, council. It's, it's like the, the entire United States is that way. Well, it is. It's the national politics thing. It's the swamp thing. It's, you know, the you're either extreme to the right or extreme to the left. At some point, everyone is guilty of, of some personal thing, I'm sure. People think I am because of my last name. They don't realize that I don't have anything to do with my father-in-law. Oh, it's all about personal agendas. I mean, the longer I live up here, I, I call it selective ignorance because there's a lot of that that goes on. Uh, you know, that's that's why I'm starting the Unconcerned Citizens page. It's coming. Actually, honestly, it is the minority. It is a minority. <sighs> Don't have hobbies that start a lot of this <laughs> nonsense, you know. Start gambling and eating mushrooms, damn it. Go up to Cripple Creek. <laughs> Everything often seems so one-sided and people find someone to hone in on and they just can't let go of it. And my last name is one of those things. Well, I think July you're going to come back on again. Okay, I'll be here. Yeah. That was a big question mark above your head. I am? Yeah. Hopefully we'll have a seventh council member. Yeah. Yeah. Be able to, you know, roll efficiently with the city's business. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, like I say to a lot of our guests is uh, keep fighting the good fight. That's all you can do. Yeah. And if if, there's anybody listening out there that's interested in getting into the thick of things, turn in an application to the city. The applications are online and come in and get interviewed for a council position. Now that is going on through the end of April or is that going to May? Uh, the 25th of this month, I think the applications are due and then it will be May 4th. May the 4th be with you. All right. May 4th it is. Yeah. And make sure to train those animals well when you bring them into uh, chambers. Yeah. If if anyone out there has a unicorn... <laughs> Please come now, in. Please, please apply and come if in. If you have a unicorn, I'm putting you up for governor. You now, know? now, if someone has a, a what is it, a, a Pegasus? Oh, yeah, uh, Pegasus. Sorry, it, would, would it be a unipeg? Hey, you know. You know if we can get a unicorn, a Pegasus, and a unipeg in. I'd just vote for all three of those people to replace us. So. May, <laughs> maybe we should put that on the uh, Unconcerned Citizens page. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great idea. All right. Well, Mayor Labar, thanks for coming in today and spending some time with us and sharing your ideas with us and our thoughts. You know, I, I know that not everybody's going to agree with it, but that uh, it sure. would be boring if we all agreed on stuff, wouldn't it? It would be. I didn't mean to harp on people personally this this go around, but it did kind of. Me- I did. It messed up a. Uh, it messed up one of our agenda items pretty big. So yeah. so it had to come back, and we've got to do it over, and hopefully we can do it right this time. Well, if you can't say it in the barricade, where else can you? You know. I mean. We don't judge much. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'm I'm guessing you don't judge, but those listeners love to listen, so they can. Yeah. Which is well, fine. That's yeah, cool. Absolutely. As long as they keep listening, that's all that matters. Yeah, and you know, my email's available. My phone number is available. I'm available for coffee. I'll talk to anybody anytime. There you go. Well said. All right, Mayor Labar, appreciate it. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. All right, coming up next is the president of the Board of Florissant Fire Protection District, Starla Thompson. So grab that beverage and come on back. The Rock. 
Rocky Mountain Vibes are back all summer long. You're not going to want to miss their nightly promos with their Vibe Tribe Tuesdays, $1 hot dogs, Winning Wednesdays, $2 tickets sponsored by Kilo X1039. Thank You Thursdays, where free military tickets go out to the military community, sponsored by Veterans United Home Loans Colorado Springs. Firework Fridays are back. Theme Saturdays, different themes every Saturday, and Sky Sox Sundays, Kids Club Day, plus post-game base running to all kiddos, part of the Kids Club. You're not going to want to miss the fun over at UC Health Park. Welcome back to the Bear Cave. I'm your host, Dennis Zerl. And right now on this segment, I invited a special guest, and she is the president of the board for the Florissant Fire Protection District, and that's Starla Thompson. Starla, welcome into the Bear Cave. Thank you so much, and thank you for that introduction. Yeah, well, it's the best thing I could come up with at a moment's notice, you know, but uh, the first time we had a conversation a few weeks ago, I was kind of blown away by your by your background because uh, we have some things in common. We're both kind of gearheads. I worked in that industry for many, many years, and uh, surprising what a small world it is because we know the same people in the off-road world and the hot riding world. And uh, it's kind of cool. So first question I got is how did you wind up in Florissant? Well, we, uh, my husband is a retired military from Fort Carson. So we were down in that fountain area, raised our three boys, got them grown and off doing their own thing. Love Teller County, have always said we're going to retire here. And so in August of 2015, we bought our home up here. Yeah, it kind of seems like that's the way it goes. I think the first time I came up here was uh, maybe five or six years ago. I was filming for the Travel Channel. I thought, uh, hey, I could live up in this area. It's kind of cool. It's so beautiful. I think the rock formations and the variety of trees and just it's the community itself is a really incredible place. How did this all lead towards uh, you getting involved with Floors and Fire? I kind of want to back up a little bit because you've got a very interesting backstory. If there's a lesson in how people overcome obstacles in life, you're one of them that I can think of. Well, gosh, again, thank you for that. Um, I'm definitely um, a persevering type person, no quit attitude. We got dealt some cards a couple of months after buying our home up here where our middle son was in a horrific car accident. I don't enjoy telling the story for, you know, recognition or pulling heartstrings or anything like that. I, I love telling the story for the sheer fact of perseverance and what that can do for you. But he was in a fatal car accident. We lost his buddy that morning and Bryce was um, severely injured and uh, he was in a coma for three months on a ventilator during that time. We were told he would never wake up and you know, they wanted us to discontinue care and, and just let him slip away. Again, I'm stubborn and I'm just no quit attitude. And I thought, well, I'm going to bring him home then. I'll bring him home and take care of him till his last day. You know, I know how this works. He's either going to die from infection or or he'll be vegetative the rest of his life. Or sooner or later, if that's the case, he's going to die from infection. So we brought him home uh, to Florissant. And for the next several years, we just kind of dealt with the cards that we were, you know, being dealt. And um, we took care of him and got into some holistic things and just did things that were a little bit different than the norm. And slowly but surely, and still today, he continues to improve. 
I did, however, use that service from Florissant Fire Protection District on multiple occasions. Bryce went through a couple of years where he was combative and very violent. He's 6'1", weighs 195 pounds. He could get me in a headlock pretty quick. So those guys over there, gals at the Florissant Fire Protection District, they've come to my home a number of times. And so when I heard back in April of last year that our fire department was itself imploding, I thought, wow, I've got to get involved because I need this service. Now, inherently, I knew that that also meant my family would be okay, my neighbors would be okay, and my community would be okay. I'm not selfish enough to fight for those services just for my son, but I knew inherently that I had the ability to bring it back together. I've got to commend you for that because, you know, you could have left uh, someone in a rest home or a rehabilitation home and that's not always the best option. Gosh, can you imagine being 26 years old and maybe being aware of what's going on, but not being able to command your body to respond appropriately and you're sitting in a nursing home? I mean, those are great places for elderly people, but as a 26-year-old, that would probably kill your spirit. Oh, I, I can only imagine, or worse, you're going to lose your life because, you know, we've all heard the horror stories of, of and I'm not bagging on nursing homes necessarily, but uh, it's either a place where politicians send people to go die because of COVID or you're not getting the best care that you possibly could get and you've taken on that responsibility. Well, I tell you, you know, life is funny. Sometimes you just don't realize what all you're being prepared for. But I was an EMT for many years and I've worked in volunteer squads and on paid organizations as well. I know that that prepared me to bring my son home. I knew I could take care of him. It's that Texas spirit that you have there, young lady. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. (laughs) I always tell people, if you can't understand my slang, I really apologize, but I don't know any other way to talk. You got a point. Pointed to the board, right? I did. There was a lot going on and I was trying really hard to remain neutral until I could get my hands on facts. I, I really like black and white facts when I'm coming to a decision about something. It's really hard to listen to other people's perceptions. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I like facts. So I got myself involved. I went to the town hall meeting, which was a total disaster last year. Um, The community was just not ready to hear answers. And then, you know, when the opportunity arose for the county commissioners to interview candidates, I submitted my letter and I sent in a heartfelt, this is where I'm at and why I want to be involved. And these are my credentials that I feel that I can really help this department. I'm an entrepreneur by heart. So I've done startup in the airline industry. We started our own company, you know, down in Colorado Springs 15 years ago. Um, I'm not opposed to rolling up my sleeves, digging in deep and just doing the work to build something. Hey, we need an agent for the bear cave. Maybe uh, (laughs) maybe you you can carve out like two seconds out of your day for that. You never know. I tell you, I got time on my hands these days. (laughs) Laugh, 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 laugh. Well, uh, but you took over at a time of, it was tumultuous to say the least. I mean, there's a lot of turmoil going on there. And people always ask me before I go forward, why aren't these other people being represented? Because there's, I call them the uh, concerned citizen people. You you have them here in Woodland Park. You have them in Florissant, obviously. And now I just call them the concerned aliens because I don't know where these people are coming coming from most of the time. It's a lot of fear. It's a lot of uh, fragile ego and, and things like that that drives people for whatever reason. But you took over in a time that was, was really kind of uh, in turmoil, right? And uh, you got it from all sides and you weren't really involved with necessarily the firing of the old chief and kind of relate to me that side of the story from your perspective. In looking at the black and white, when I interviewed with the um, Board of County Commissioners, I was warned that this is not going to be unicorns and rainbows. It's going to be difficult. Uh, It's very tumultuous. There's a lot of false narratives going on out there. 
I didn't know Mr. Bailey at all. I'd met him, I think, on his first week here in August, you know, at the pancake breakfast. And he seemed like a pleasant man, very personable, shaking everyone's hand. I didn't know him. So I didn't have really any preconceived ideas what all happened or who was right or wrong. So I was told by the county commissioners, can you hire a chief and you can you start to build, you know, a foundation? And I said, yes, I can do that. And uh, at that time, the now current chief, Eric Holt, he was a volunteer at the uh, at the station during that time? That's correct. He was an interim chief. He had been asked to be the interim chief for two weeks. This was in April last year. And so by the time we got appointed, and so even though I said I could hire a chief and, you know, and I could build a foundation, that was in my interview. Once there were a couple of us appointed, I knew that it I've been around the block a few times in my life, and I can tell you that a team will win every time over an individual. So I really enjoy bringing teams of people together to debate and come up with, you know, strategize, come up with the best game plan. So early on, you know, we knew we had to hire a chief uh, once we had a quorum of a board. By that time, Chief Holt had been working for months as a volunteer. You know, one of the big concerns about what we did early on is we did decide collectively as a board to compensate him for the the time he had been there. I know that was a hard part for some of these concerned citizens. See, I don't understand that. I, I don't understand what the big gripe is if someone's getting paid to do a job. I mean, it seems like the opposition side is, I see the word volunteer, volunteer, volunteer constantly creeping up. Well, it's still a volunteer fire department. Correct. And I think it was a play on words where Chief Holt had volunteered to be the interim for two weeks. So there was this concept that he had volunteered for months and months and months. It was a paid position in the department long before I got there. So it it didn't seem appropriate to have someone doing the job and not being compensated for it. And so collectively, again, as a board, we voted and, and agreed to pay him back pay for the time he had put in with the department. Right. And, and we're going to, we're going to cover that because uh, the local fish wrap that I picked up last week, and uh, I don't mind saying it, it was the, uh, the Pikes Peak Courier. There was a lot of uh, editorials in there. And then it's, it's kind of ironic because uh, we have Eric Stone, who basically is backing and has uh, endorsed your campaign versus a couple of the other, it must've been a slow news day. That's all I can say, because there were two letters to the editor that addressed certain issues or conceived problems. But when this all got started, what was the initial pushback all about? I, I just don't understand. Was it because the chief had left and they were starting to have a, a bond with him? Or I, I just don't understand all the animosity. I'm telling you, that's probably the biggest unanswered question to date is like, gosh, People can be employed and we live in a state where it's at will employment, so you can be terminated at any time for any reason. Um, It was very difficult to understand what the allegiance was, you know, with this gentleman. But in the black and white of things were not happening appropriately or within the confines of the statutes, uh, you know, of the state of Colorado. So, again, it felt. Is there anything you can talk about? I know there's some court issues that are being kicked back and forth and there's alleged lawsuits and complaints and all kinds of stuff going on. So to date, the settlement has been finalized and there will be no additional legal claims from the party. But, you know, in what I found personally in the black and white of things, I went back and read emails. 
I went back and listened to previous board meetings so I could kind of put my finger on the pulse of what the culture was at that time. And it it lacked professionalism, in my opinion. It became apparent to me that, you know, it was difficult uh, for the board to govern the current staff and, and everything that was going on. I still feel strongly that the board that was there previously, they really got caught in a time where there was transition and growth and they just didn't anticipate it and weren't prepared for it. And then so for us to come on as brand new board members, there was not a foundation at all. There was not policy and procedure. There were not bylaws. There were, you know, what they did had were greatly outdated and didn't really speak to the growth that the community was driving out of the department. I get hate mail from those people because we make fun of stuff. Obviously, we're we're all about sarcasm and and having a good time. You got to laugh. You got to laugh at the, you know, during the day. Yeah. But there were so much ridiculous things going on. And uh, I think uh, it was Trevor and I who had uh, Eric on the first time had Chief Holt come in. We were ready to blaze. Our guns were loaded because of all the information that we were reading and we were gleaning. And of course, uh, there's certain people of opposition. There's not a camera that they don't like, or there's not a newspaper article that they can't throw out there because they have their own kind of hack that writes for them. And I call them hacks because that's what they are. And uh, just sitting down with him for about 15, 20 minutes, I remember Trevor and I were looking at each other kind of going, wait a minute, this is kind of making sense here. And now we're starting to see what's going on. And what's going on is that it's all about control for certain people. There's a certain certain amount of people that want control of the entire community for whatever reason. I don't know, because they're, they're self-educated firefighters. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there's very few people on the opposition that I know of that are certified firefighters or have that knowledge behind them. You know, what's interesting about Chief Holt is, you know, I did not know him, contrary to popular belief. Never met him until, you know, I was getting sworn in. Um, and Wait a taking my oath. He wasn't your boy toy? No, gosh, I know. He's, <laughs> he's the same age as my children. It's really uncomfortable to have that. Hey, well, these days, there. you know, I mean, who knows? But that's the kind of accusations that were thrown out there. Yeah. You know, so when I first met him and got to see what he was doing, I was really thinking to myself, why in the world have you been doing this under constant attack? I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And at that time, he was not being paid. And I was like, oh my gosh, you've got a great career down, you know, at Fort Carson. I mean, what in the world? Very quickly, I discovered that he's got a servient heart, you know, and that's one thing that you cannot buy, you cannot train when someone is dedicated to serving other people. And that was the gem early on that I realized we had in his characteristics. He is greatly qualified. He did meet the minimum qualifications for the position that we had posted and is highly educated, highly experienced. Again, contrary to what you want to believe out there. You know, I don't want to talk about the opposition like they don't know anything at all, because obviously there's people who who care about their community, right? They're big into the whole fire mitigation thing. And that's awesome. It's a great deal. Great that you're doing all that stuff. But when you start, I don't know, misrepresenting the facts of what you actually do, that's where it started getting my attention. And I'm thinking, okay, so these are all qualified volunteers and why are they not on the fire department? Then I come to find out that they're not really qualified to be firefighters. Fire mitigators, yes, but firefighters, 
No. You can take courses. I mean, you can take courses at a local community college. You can take courses, you know, in communities. Um, you have to be red carded, you know, to go out on a fire. No agency, whether it's federal, state or local, will take you out on a fire if you're not red carded. By red carding means that you've gone through the appropriate courses. You've gone through the appropriate courses and you've also gone through the agility test to see if you can physically be out there. I'm screwed on that one. <laughs> and then you have to, I mean, there's all kinds of things like workers comp and what happens when you get injured and, you know, you've got to be affiliated with a department. I do believe that uh, one of the people who are running, uh, I, I don't want to say opposition, but anyway, th- there is, there's camps here. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's no question about it. One of those people said that they were, and I'm paraphrasing this, but in general, they said that they were fired without cause. And uh, Barry Cave, we got to dig a little bit. <laughs> so when we start digging, we find out that the the person really wasn't qualified to be out there in the first place and didn't really spend a lot of time other than maybe, you know, taking some photographs or doing, well, you know, whatever kind of volunteer work they were doing, but they weren't qualified to be firefighters. So that's another person where you've got gear that's assigned to them, right? You've got all kinds of stuff that's assigned to them. And it seems like kind of a waste. You know, that's a subject that I can't be real specific on because of course we have privacy laws and, you know, employment laws and and those kinds of things. So I don't want to violate any of that. What I can tell you is collectively, we had some issue with people not responding, um, not coming to training, not taking direction on the scene of an incident. And so as the interim chief finally had a full board with a quorum, he did call me and he said, hey, I've got some disciplinary action that I need to act on. And and I said, OK. And I consulted the statutes and I thought I consulted the SDA guidelines, the bylaws. And really, the board doesn't have any part in that. So I said, are your eyes dotted and your T's crossed? He said, yes, ma'am. And I said, fantastic. I said, I also see that we have an appeals process. So anyone that thinks that you're acting out of misinformed or out of the scope of your responsibilities, they have every right to appeal. Because in my mind, I thought, wow, what a perfect way to build a win-win situation. There's a lot of adversity going on. The old chief is gone. The, this temporary chief is here. There are people that are super upset. Maybe not everyone understands the guidelines or the expectations. Let's pull them together in an appeal process and figure out a win-win situation. Not one of those people appealed. Hmm, none of them. None of them. They sure talk a lot of smack online. Well, and I should retract that. <laughs> I should retract that. One did inquire, but that person was a, a probationary member and probationary members are not eligible. But of the others that were eligible to appeal when you're a full member... Uh, no one wanted to appeal. How many people were there that were let go? There was seven total. They were not all let go. Some were demoted and some some were just let go. Some of them hadn't even been on a call. Seven. Yes, seven. That, that's it. That's it. Well, when I read the posts, it sounds like there was like, I don't know, a lot more than seven that got released. 107. It does. Okay. Well. <laughs> no, I'm only familiar with seven letters that ever crossed his desk for disciplinary action. Yeah, but it makes it sound like uh, there were all these people that were just let go. All these volunteers. I see that all the time. And that's just uh, not the case, apparently. Wow. Okay. Well, that's an eye opener. But uh, I'm not really surprised. But anyway, I want to address uh, some of the issues that have come up in some of these letters and and, uh, these uh, articles in the fish wrap that we see all the time. When I say all the time, this is not the first time. There's been, at least to my knowledge, there's been at least four articles that have been written in the last year that were all kind of derogatory towards fluorescent fire. And then, of course, the uh, a couple of the authors say that, you know, we try to contact everybody for interviews, but they we never got calls back. Is that true? (laughs) Or do you just ignore those people because it's going to be bad no matter what you say? 
That, that is part of it. Um, you know, we've had our issues with the different publications here locally. And, you know, I would like to retract to say, obviously, you and I know that if it's in the paper on the news, it's true, right? Yeah, just like the Internet. <laughs> so, you know, when factually, you know, when I discovered that reporters were not factually reporting or investigating, they were publishing their opinions, then they're entitled to their opinions by all means. But it's not true or not factual. Yeah. And so you get to a place where just very, very similar to what we're dealing with on the Facebook and Nextdoor and all of the social media platforms. It's just a banter. So one one side says this, the other side says no, the other side says no, this is true. And it just, there's no end to it. Well, I, I get it all the time from uh, the concerned people, you know, not just in Florida, but also in Woodland Park. And uh, it's always like, well, we want to come on. It's like, we already know your side. There's no point in me bringing those people on the air and saying, okay, rehash what you just talked about or what you've been posting for over a year on social media pages. And that's about the worst place you can go is on social media pages. And Well, I tell you, it's an interesting fact. Shortly after I was appointed, I did what I called was a social media experiment and I put my phone number out there on Facebook and everyone thought I was insane. My husband was just like, oh my gosh, what in the world are you doing? Yeah, I'm, you, you see my eyebrows go up? He's like, what? And I said, call me. If I'm legally allowed to answer the question, I will tell you anything. I have nothing to gain by not having full transparency. And in fact, I learned early on, you don't know what you don't know. And I felt badly for people who were standing so strong on a position that they just didn't really know all the details. And so I put my phone number out there. You wouldn't believe the number of people that actually truly called me and said, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I don't want to ask this question on Facebook. And so as I tried during this campaign window and it gets twisted so much that I found that when I private message someone who's really just has a feel for, I just want to know the answer. I don't want to really get into all the craziness. When I private message them, they're completely receptive to just ordinary, normal conversation. And, you know, generally speaking, they leave going, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 People get spun up all the time by what they read and especially on social media. But, uh, you know, next door, I mean, I'm just going to say it because it's uh, it's a platform that we get a lot of attention on. But it's also a super toxic environment. I mean, neighbors are on there and they're just like, you know, biting each other in the face. They're just tearing each other apart. For what? The end result is that you just made more enemies. And uh, I'm with you. I just kind of ignore it anymore. You know, it's something that I've stood strong on. You know, it kind of revolves right back to my situation with my son. Every human being has the opportunity each morning when you wake up to perceive the world a certain way, either good or bad, whatever you perceive it to be, you're, you're going to be right because you're going to create your environment perception people who just thrive on that negativity i mean i would say god love them because i'm a texas girl you know yeah. <laughs> these people that just thrive on negativity it's difficult to even interject uh, an alternative thought process to some of them yeah leave that to the trained professionals us we'll take that <laughs> negativity and either turn it into a joke or just make you feel bad for even saying it in the first place but uh, okay maybe not but anyway, I, I want to address a couple of these things here um, sure. that have happened. And, and this is coming out. There are like eight different talking points here, and I don't want to go through all of them. But uh, let's just take one here, for example. Okay, 
compensating halts well above the market rate for even experienced fire chiefs in this area. That's not really true, is it? No, it's not true. It's very easy. You can Google, you know, what the medium range for fire chief is, you know. Um, I most recently know that our neighboring fire district has hired their full-time chief. They're paying more compensation than we offered to our fire chief. It's a changing world that we live in and um, people need to be compensated for their education, for their time and position. And he was not overcompensated by any means. I think uh, because Florissant is such a growing community and it's going to explode in the next couple of years. So is Cripple Creek and all these areas. I talked about this with our title sponsor earlier in the show. As Colorado Springs grows, people want to get out of Colorado Springs. They don't mind driving an hour to work every day. That's kind of become the norm, which means that Florissant is going to grow as well. And I don't see the problem with having a professional firefighting department out there in order to meet those needs. I mean, today, another red flag warning is coming up. I keep seeing this whole volunteer thing creep up. Well, you've got volunteers, but I think you also need a balance of trained professionals that are out there full time that can react to these circumstances. It's really nice. And I'd love to speak to that. Early on, like I said, we hired the chief. We were immediately tasked with holding that chief accountable to a strategic plan and then proposing a budget that would be within the constraints of that strategic plan. And that's something that that chief hold did very, very well. When you think about a single human being, be it the chief and them covering 24-7, 365, and oh, by the way, you have a ton of administrative responsibilities and you're a spokesperson for the community and you're dealing with the county level and mutual aid, you know, meetings as well. It's mathematically impossible for, for one human being to do that. So, you know, having some paid individuals creates accountability creates a buy-in and it certainly prepares you for helping others, you know, pursue their professional journey of what they want to accomplish in their life as well, all the while serving their community. Uh, here's, here's a good one. Refusing to fill board seats until ensuring Holt's permanent hiring. So we did have a situation where one of the board members initially um, that was appointed ended up leaving for personal situation with, you know, a a surgery that was coming. And she just knew that she couldn't allocate the time that the board needed, you know, at that current moment. So we were short. We also had the previous board president had just resigned, um, which we kind of knew that was going to happen. But it left us with three board members. The statutes indicate as long as you have a quorum. And then and then you can continue to do business. There's no need to immediately fill an open position. We were right in the middle of a vetting committee trying to vet the credentials of the applicants that we had for the chief's position. And it just didn't seem appropriate to stop that when that had been in process for months. And it was our top priority to hire a chief. So we ended up deciding that we would, and it's a collective decision as well. It's not mine individually, a collective decision that we would hire the chief first and then fill the board positions. You know, I'm still trying to figure out why all this animosity is is occurring. Like I said, it goes back to being in charge or having control or, you know, whatever little fiefdom you're building out there. I just don't understand why anyone would be against building a, a, uh, a crew. And maybe this goes back to, uh, you know, the, the firing of the former chief, still hard feelings going on there because you know how it is in small town communities. People love to hold grudges. It gives them something to hold on to and talk about all the time. And it's just, it's just a waste of time. 
but I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding what's going on. What, what I do understand is that if this board gets voted in, one of the first things they're going to try to do is to fire Chief Holt. I've heard different versions of that. I don't know how you feel about that. I've definitely read same thing you have. I've heard them speak. I've heard other community members come to us and be concerned about their campaigning, that they're going to immediately terminate Chief Holt. I would just have to ask the community, like, what's best for the district? When you have a chief that has reduced response times, improved the equipment. Nobody's arguing about that, are they? No, no, no. Why would you take something that's working very well and benefiting the community at a higher standard than we've ever had in this department and just say, I don't like you. I don't like it that you don't sit up straight during a board meeting. How dare you? So do you micromanage executive level employees? No. We're grateful for the good work that they're doing, the expertise that they're bringing to your community. So, you know, I've long said for me personally, especially because of my situation with my son, Bryce, life is way bigger than what we have going on. ain't it though. (laughs) Life is way bigger, you know, and if we could save lives, you know, focus on health, life, safety, be kind to the members of our community, that's so much more important. So we'll get there, but I hope whoever is the elected board will have some strong consideration for a larger group in the community that very well respects the chief and appreciate the services that he has um, rendered. And when you have professional courtesies with other departments, you know, um, it's so important. It's so important to have a trust level that if someone asks you to do something, they can consider it done. And um, I've called them the grouchy group, you know, and I'll, I'll apologize for that, but I don't know how else to refer to them. They're, they just don't see any good in anything that's happening. They have concerns about the OEM. They have concerns about the BOCC. They have concerns about about, you know, the sheriff's department, how are you going to collaborate and have professional relationships when there's lack of respect? Well, there's been some disparaging comments made admittedly by a candidate who is currently running about the sheriff's office and uh, probably not the smartest thing to do if you want to get elected, be in charge of something and then have to coordinate with those agencies. It's uh, you got to stop at some point being your worst own enemy. Well, we're all human beings, you know, and we're not superheroes. We're human beings. I cut, I bleed, I hurt just like everybody else. So it's difficult, especially in those times where you have to step up and serve your community collectively. You've got to be able to put anything behind you that deviates you from doing that job, period. Well said. Starla Thompson, thanks for coming into the Bear Cave, and I wish you all the best luck coming up into your election, and uh, keep doing the good things that you're doing. Thank you so much, Dennis. I appreciate you having me on. When we come back, we'll be talking to our friend from the Butte Theater, Zach Stanyo, then it's News of the Weird, and find out who meets Dozer for lunch on the Bear Pile this week. Stick around. By making gradual changes in your life, you can achieve your goals. Perhaps it's a change in your diet, losing a few pounds, or reducing stress. You can always improve your health. If you want to explore ideas on how to achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life, then you've come to the right place. Animus Wellbeing in Woodland Park, Colorado offers nutritional consultations, 
We work with you to design a program that fits your specific needs to help you enjoy a better quality of life. So check us out at AdamsWellbeing.com. That's A-N-I-M-A-S-W-E-L-L-B-E-I-N-G.com. Or call us at 818-400-1456. Let us help you to achieve a life of optimal well-being. Back to the Bear Cave, and right now in the Bear Cave Hotline, it's our friend, one of our title sponsors, the manager of the Butte Theater, Zach Stanio. Zach, how are you, my brother? Dennis, I'm doing well, doing well. Just uh, you know, running like a chicken with my head cut off. Drinking out of that fire <laughs> still, huh? Amen to that. Yeah, it's all good though. You know, it's funny because uh, just a few short weeks ago, we were talking about, yeah, we're trying to get ready for the season, and all of a sudden, it's like, gulp, we're here. Yeah, tell me about it. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good. It'll be good. I have no doubt. But anyway, we got uh, we got a big show starting up here real soon. Why don't you kind of lay it out for me? Yeah. So uh, coming up, uh, we have Funky Little Theater is uh, actually producing one of the shows during the community season. We had set that up before they had taken over the professional season. So they'll be doing a show called Kitchen Witches. Best way to describe it, it's kind of Jerry Springer meets uh, Julia Child. Um, it's a uh, comedy by Carolyn Smith, and it's directed by Chris Medina from Funky Little Theater Company, featuring uh, Dharma Kimball from the community, Mike Green from our community, and then Susan Hollis, who lives in Woodland Park. Wow. Yeah, so that'll be opening up Friday, April 28th, and that's running all the way until May 7th. Really cool what they're doing and then for this show, and they're probably going to be uh, bringing it up for the professional season as well, is on Saturday, May 6th at 1 p.m., they'll be having an ASL-interpreted show. So if you have any friends in the deaf community, May 6th, they can come and see the show, and there'll be an interpreter there. You know, I saw that on the website, and I thought that was so interesting because I've never seen that in theater before, so that's uh, that's something new and unique. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, I guess as Funky's been doing that for a while. Um, it's it's always received well. Uh, Chris Medina, who uh, runs Funky, he uh, I forget how many levels of uh, classes he has in ASL, but he's fully versed in sign language, except uh, I, he doesn't interpret. So it's they've got to go through a ASL interpreter for that. Well, I think that's so interesting that you're doing it in the first place. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, it's it's unique. It's something kind of, you know, funky, not to, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're, uh, we're excited about that. And then uh, to wrap up the community season, the Friends of the Butte will be doing a Cripple Creek's Got Talent uh, one night talent show that'll be taking place on May 12th, Friday at 7 p.m. But we'll be holding auditions on May 10th just to kind of see, uh, you know, about how long each person's act is, how many people are showing up and uh, want to get on stage performing the talent. Yeah, make sure that you're not uh, full frontal doing a piece from hair, I guess, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, you know, we people <laughs> want to make sure it's community friendly. Now, I got a question. Is that just for Cripple Creek residents or is that uh, kind of open up to 
to Teller County. No, that's opened up to all of Teller County. You've got a talent uh, come up here and then let it fly as long as it's age appropriate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, you kind of got the rest of the season lined up too. So why don't you go ahead and uh, just kind of run down with what we can look forward to this season? Yeah. So uh, this season is, uh, is jam packed. We're, we're taking on a lot, but it's going to be fun. So starting Saturday, June 10th, we'll be doing a kids only show at 10 a.m. at the Butte called the Stinky Cheese Man and other fairly stupid tales. Um, <laughs> that's, that's quite a title. Yeah, that starts June 10th and that runs every Saturday uh, until mid-August. As soon as we get it locked down with a caterer, uh, some of those Saturdays will be offering Fairy Tale University where the kids can stay afterwards and have lunch with the actors in the park across the street, kind of talk to them about acting, talk to them about theater, and really just start to get you know the younger audiences excited about theater. That's awesome. From there, we are opening up the melodrama The Girl of the Golden West that is a play by David Belasco that was adapted by uh, the Butte's own Mickey Burdick. He was heavily involved up here kind of during the formation of the Butte Theater and Thin Air Theater Company and uh, has since moved on to uh, UCCS where he's teaching. But was graceful enough to provide the script to us, uh, make a couple little edits here and there and uh, so we're really excited about that. So that's our summer melodrama and then following the next weekend on Friday the 23rd of June we will be opening the musical We Will Rock You. Now that is going to be phenomenal. It's a musical based on the music of Queen but it takes place in a dystopian galaxy where music has been completely outlawed except for uh, music that is only corporate created by a corporation. <laughs> Sounds like politics these days. Yeah right and uh, so it, it's cool it's, it's going to be really interesting so that'll run um, June 23rd 24th 25th and then moving into the week of the 26th on Wednesday, we'll be starting to run those shows in rep. So if you are here Thursday and Friday, you can see two different shows. If you're here on a Saturday, you can see two different shows on the same day. So wow. that'll be running in rep throughout the entire summer. And then we'll be ending with the Everlove spoof show uh, here at the Butte. That's where we take the melodrama and kind of just let the actors have fun with it on August 13th. Wow. Lots of stuff coming up. Oh, yeah. And then uh, after that, uh, still keeping, uh, I've got most of August and most of uh, September open. Right now, we're talking about a few different things, but uh, probably some drop-in shows here and there. Plus, we've got to do some uh, much-needed house cleaning here at the Butte. Haven't had much time to do that with the community season taking on so much. And then uh, September 29th, we're going to be opening Clue. So we'll be doing Clue on stage. And then uh, we'll be also doing a one-man show, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which Chris Medina from Funky Little Theater will actually be acting in. It's supposed to be a very phenomenal show. I have not uh, seen it yet, but uh, we're excited about that. And then that'll run through all of October and the first week of November. And then right after Thanksgiving, we're opening up with a world premiere uh, melodrama called The Christmas Cricket of Cripple Creek. There we go. And that'll run all the way until New Year's Eve. And here we were talking about, oh man, I don't know how we're going to fill up this season just a few short weeks ago. And here we are. It's all lined up and ready to go. Yeah. It's all lined up. Now it's just getting the word out there and uh, excited about it and then uh, finding housing. <laughs> well, if Cripple Creek's going to have plenty of housing about this time next year, I think. But uh, in the meantime, need to get up there and spend some time in Cripple Creek because there's a lot of activities this year. We got the uh, the Mustang show is coming up there on June 17th. And you got Donkey Derby Days. Yeah, so the Mustang rally will be taking place the, uh, the 14th through the 17th. So that's our opening weekend. There'll be a ton of Mustangs on the, on the road. So it's going to be fun. 
I can't think of a better way than to uh, go to a cool car show and then just uh, end your day going to the Butte Theater and seeing a play. Amen. All right, Zach. Well, I appreciate you filling us in. I'm sure we're going to visit plenty of times between now and the end of the season. But I appreciate everything you do and appreciate you coming on to the show and actually coming on as a title sponsor again this year. And I love the good works that you guys are doing. And just uh, keep fighting that good fight, my friend. Will do, brother. We appreciate you. We appreciate everything you do for the Butte Theater and being a title sponsor of ours as well. This is, uh, this is a relationship that uh, I'm glad formed right in the beginning of me getting up here. And uh, it seems to only be getting better, brother. So I'm excited to see uh, who you've got coming on and, and what's next for the Barricade this year. All right, Zach, I appreciate it. And uh, you know what? I'm going to get up there and see the uh, Kitchen Witches show in the next couple of weeks and uh, hopefully spend some time with you and uh, get entertained by some of those great actors we have in the community. Amen. All right, my friend. Thanks again. And uh, I'll talk to you very soon. Sounds good, brother. Take it easy. Okay, bye now. That was Zach Stanier from the Butte Theater, and it's good to hear that the season at the Butte is well underway. It's uh, time to get rid of all that cabin fever. But now, once again, it's time for News of the Weird. Headline this week reads, Inexplicable. Oh boy, you're going to like this one. Tony Saunders of Stilton, Pennsylvania, let state troopers on an odyssey on April 4th. Early that morning, officers stopped Saunders on suspicion of a burglary the day before. In the trunk of his BMW, he had a, get this, dead deer. When the trooper opened up the rear door, Saunders sped away and eventually got stuck on a railroad track. He left the car and ran into a wooded area. Well, later that day, a school bus was reported stolen from Abbottstown. And again, police gave chase. Saunders finally ran away from the bus and through parking lots, shedding his clothes as he fled. Yep, that's what it says. He was nude when police arrested him. (laughs) At some point, he had transferred the dead deer into the school bus, and he told police that he was going to use it as garden fertilizer. He faces multiple charges. Oh, boy. Well, Tony, you aren't much of a thief, and apparently you are really passionate about hunting deer, or at least transporting the animal from a car to a bus. And you know, Tony, they actually do make fertilizer you could buy at your local garden center. But then again, if you did that, you wouldn't be a candidate for the bear pile. Each week, we nominate a person, place, and or thing that should be tossed in the bear pile to be eaten by the bears. This week, the person, place, and or thing to be tossed on the bear pile to have lunch with Dozer is... No surprise here, Vice President Obama Harris for spewing word salad or screaming word salad all over Nashville last week while ignoring the real issues to protect her narrative. You know, Obama, only one problem. No one really knows what that narrative is. It changes from week to week. Oh, and by the way, we're still waiting for that border visit. Maybe she'll be out of office by the time she actually thinks about it. The nominations this week for the honor of diving onto the bear pile are... Number one, Cruella Taylor Green for defending a traitor to the U.S. Now, look, Marge, it's really time to put a sock in your pie hole, and maybe, just maybe, you should hang out at that local gym of yours. Yeah, it kind of takes the heat off of you trying to keep up with that Tinder page. Number two, any concerned citizens page. Look, no one cares about your whining and your self-absorbed obsession with things that just don't matter to the rest of us. Get a hobby, for God's sake. Take a hike. No, really, go hiking. It may help those voices in your head settle down a little bit. And number three, 
The Deer Hunter, Tony Saunders. We are still scratching our heads trying to figure out how and why you're running away from the police in your birthday suit. Well, I guess it makes you faster, but uh, I'm still wondering what happened to that deer. Maybe the police sold it to the local fertilizer store. Who knows? Once again, that music is playing, which means that that is it for me this week. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate, The Butte Theater, Rocky Mountain Vibes Baseball, and Animus Wellbeing. I want to thank my guests today, Josh Dorsey from Abode Real Estate, Mayor Hillary Labar, Florence and Fire Protection Board President Starla Thompson, Butte Theater Manager Zach Stanyo for coming into the Bear Cave. Really appreciate it. Michelle will be back next week with story time, and Trevor will be back with the big news. So looking forward to having my homies back in the Bear Cave. If you have an event coming up or you want to sponsor the show, you can reach out to us on our Facebook page, This Week in the Bear Cave, or our Instagram page by the same name, or you can send your hate mail to us at this week in the bear cave at gmail.com you can access the show on spotify anchor by spotify podbean apple podcast radiopublic.com and iHeartRadio. our not so celebrity guest next week is going to be the mouth that roared cruella taylor green we want to know which trader she plans on supporting next week i'm sure there's plenty of them around i think she's just fishing for maybe some young man in uniform seems like uh, the whole tinder thing is just isn't working out for her after all but uh, yeah good luck with that one manhattan district attorney alvin bragg was supposed to come into the bear cave but we're told that he's still pouring over all that evidence getting ready for donald's trial yeah because uh, there are a lot of stormy daniels videos that he has to review until next week cubs be well and thanks for listening sweet dream sam and max this week in the bear cave is produced by animus productions all rights reserved in perpetuity 